All right, hello and welcome to the Mystified Podcast episode number four. My name is Justin Ash. I'll be your host today. I'll also be your guest today. So just very excited to be with all of you guys today as we navigate the realms of unlocking the myths, mystique, and legend of building wealth, saving taxes, creating financial freedom. Uh, quick intro for those of you, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, as I mentioned, my name is Justin. I am a CPA in Bellevue, Washington, U.S. of A. Our practice specializes in global business consulting, taxation strategy and mitigation, financial statements, and audit defense. We love the game. We love working with entrepreneurs, business owners, and investors. And we absolutely believe that providing this quality service, providing added value, providing the best content is one of the keys to truly unlocking the mystery of wealth creation. So, hey, if you want to reach our office, uh, go ahead and feel free to email us at admin at justinjash.com. That's admin at justinjash.com. So, whoo, man, there is so much to cover today as we dive into topics such as business, entrepreneurship, investing, marketing, management, global economics, finance, regulation, taxation, strategy, so, so much. And the question becomes, hey, in a world that's driven by politics, corporations, media, propaganda, consumerism, how can we stay centered? How can we see both sides of the coin? Remain 100% diplomatic and make rational decisions based on factual data and evidence. Well, uh, I want to tell you this much today. I'm super stoked because that's exactly what this podcast is all about. And that's exactly what we're going to be covering today in some of the content of the episode of this podcast today. So the topic of today's podcast is entitled A Nation of Debt. Now, remember last week we spoke about uh, debt being the number one export in the USA. Uh, we talked about this artificial demand for U.S. dollars through mainly through the petrodollar system uh, and the U.S. economy being propped up by just huge amounts of, of USD, of currency that's injected into uh, the nation uh, drives up prices, uh, real estate prices, hard asset prices, business prices, stock market prices. Uh, and you know, that's the way that it works today. And I talked about the petrodollar system. We talked about some of the OPEC nations, the organization of petroleum exporting countries, mainly the deal that we had with we have with Saudi Arabia, where all uh, oil transactions are uh, transacted in, in USD. And then any of the excess that they have is reinvested back into the U.S. Uh, and so that's all debt. That is all debt. So today I want to talk specifically about uh, a nation of debt. Here in the U.S., it's not only the U.S., many countries in the world, but mainly here in the U.S. I'm a citizen of the United States. I love the United States. For the record, it's a great country. Uh, I live here. Uh, I do uh, the majority of my business here. I love the United States of America. Uh, so today what I want to do is actually get into some of the fundamental analysis uh, here in the United States. Uh, so before we do that, I'm going to take you guys back in history. Let's go back into time. Let's go back into ancient Greece. 
and the year is 440 BC. Uh, so the emperor uh, in Athens, in ancient Greece, his name was Pericles. Two decades into the reign of Pericles, the most famous ruler in ancient Greece, uh, the city-state determined they wanted to conduct an audit. And they wanted to find out exactly what the city-state city owned, what they were worth. And what they found was that the city-state of Athens was massively rich. In fact, in fact, they had a surplus. They had a surplus of 10,000 talents. Now, if you don't know what a talent is, it's just, it's, just, uh, it's a unit of, measure, of measurement. Um, and what they were conducting back in the day uh, mainly were precious metals. Uh, these tangible metals, they have intrinsic value. And, and how they measured them was in talents. And you could buy grains and, and wheat and goats and, and sheep for a certain unit of weight. So when you'd go to transact... Uh, and buy this certain item, uh, it would be a measurement of the weight, of the gold, of the silver, of whatever you were trading, mainly gold and silver. Precious metals was the thing back then. And so, and so what they found in Athens was that they had 10,000 talents of gold. That's the equivalent of about $700 million USD. And that was just for Athens in ancient Greece. Now, the population of Athens back in 440 BC, was about 40,000 people. And that equated to a net surplus of about 10,000 USD per person in today's money. Now, back in the day, and even throughout history, this was considered one of the wealthiest places in the world. <clears throat> $10,000 per person, a surplus. They had a tremendous amount of money. So the universal law of prosperity... We know that the only way to prosper, of course, I've talked about this before, is that it's simple. We have to produce more than we consume. Produce more than we consume. Okay, and, that, and when we produce more than we consume, we have a surplus. And this pool of savings uh, can be used for various things, investment capital, building infrastructure, military, uh, etc. So, however... The interesting part is that today it's, it's all about consumption. Our prosperity in the United States is measured by consumer spending. That's what you always hear about in the news, consumer spending being this massive economic driver. Now, that's not growth. That is not growth. Spending, uh, overspending is not growth. In fact, you're sacrificing the future growth by massive consumption. Because when you produce more than you consume, you have a surplus. You have prosperity, right? But when you consume more than you produce, uh, you have debt. And in fact, that's what we have today is a massive amount of debt. And I'm, uh, like I mentioned before, I'm talking specifically about the U.S., the United States today, although it does exist on a global scale. Uh, however, we will be speaking uh, about the U.S. in particular today. We're going to dive into some of the... the fundamentals of the U.S. We're going to be taking a look at, at uh, recently back in February 2018, the United States, uh, they recently uh, released their uh, audited financial statements for the year, uh, for the year ending September uh, of 2017, the fiscal year. And so today I just, I want to dive into that. And, uh, and I want to, I mean, 
Have you guys ever sat down and taken a look at the financial statements of the country that you live in? Uh, it's rather interesting, so I wanted to highlight it, uh, a few key points today. So the, the thing I love when I, whenever I delve into a financial report, uh, especially in the United States, is uh, I, I love how they're always, they try to be as optimistic as possible. Now, you know, when we're looking uh, at a statement of income, you know, income should always be more than expenses, right? So the way a statement of income works is, uh, you know, we count the revenue, what comes in, in with a government, it's mainly uh, tax revenue. And, and then we count the money that goes out, entitlement programs, military spending, uh, infrastructure spending, all this. And the difference is the profit or loss, right? And I want to tell you guys right now, the U.S. government loses a lot of money. A lot. In fact, in, for the fiscal year ended uh, September 30th, 2017, the U.S. Uh, lost a little over $1 trillion. $1 trillion. The government of the strongest economy on the globe lost $1 trillion. Let that sink in for a little bit. $1 trillion. That's a one with 12 zeros behind that. And it's not like, if you look at the history, uh, the year before, they lost close to a $1 trillion. 2016. 2015, it was a half a trillion dollars. So you can see where the trend is going. The interesting part is that nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares to look at this information and see that the country that you're living in, the country that we live in, they lose every single year. Uh, now, uh, it's, right, it's above $1 trillion per year. And this was just a regular, run-of-the-mill, normal year, 2017. We weren't fighting any wars. There was no financial crisis, no recessions. Nothing major, just just some normal ho-hum, just run-of-the-mill, just regular, uh, wake up, uh, clock in our 9-to-5 job, just a normal year. And they lost $1 trillion. It says it right on, right in the middle of the financial statement. It's there. All you have to look. This is public information. So, so... So what are they spending? What does the U.S. spend their money on? That's, that's the next question that, that, that I'd ask. And if you go further in the, into the detail, uh, the majority of the budget is spent on pension programs, Social Security, uh, Medicare, which are vastly underfunded. Uh, in fact, the trustees of these departments, uh, they tell us that now there's more going out than coming in. Uh, meaning uh, the the worker to uh, the worker to uh, benefit e uh, uh, comparison is it's going down so there's less workers covering uh, more there's less coming in that's going out the treasury secretary tells us that the fund will be insolvent Medicare will be insolvent potentially here in the next couple of years uh, Social Security uh, I believe they say by the year 2034. <clears throat> 2034, this is all going to be gone. They tell you this right in the financial statement if you were to take a look at it. So what else are we spending our money on? Uh, well, our defense budget. Our defense budget is huge. In fact, uh, and a lot of it has to do with the petrodollar system. We have military infrastructure in hundreds and hundreds of countries. And we're fighting this war. We're fighting this war on terrorism. And we're dropping bombs on, on terrorists. 
in, in fighting this, this unknown person war. And we're spending a ton of money doing it. So that's the second biggest line item in the budget. The third big, biggest one, I'm only going to touch on three today. There's tons, but these are the big heavy hitters, is the interest on the debt. Hundreds and hundreds of billions just to service the debt that already exists. Hundreds and hundreds of billions. And guess what? Our debt level just keeps increasing every single year. In addition to that, the Fed has been raising interest rates. Interest rates are going up. That is uh, the perfect storm for uh, not, not a great situation, not a great economic situation in my opinion. And so just those three areas that uh, you know we can take a look at. I mean, you could get rid of every other major federal department and, and we would still lose money. You could cut the Department of Ecology. You could, you could uh, cut the IRS. You could cut many different federal programs and still and still we would be losing money just based on these three programs so you know I mean what happens you know we're losing a trillion dollars a year uh, and, and we're not even counting unfunded social security and, and medicare liabilities going into the future for the baby boomer generation so we're losing a trillion dollars a year now what happens if there is another financial crisis what happens with an, if another 2008 comes along what happens if there's another war? How long is this to, how long is this sustainable? Here's an interesting part about we're talking about fiscal sustainability. I'm looking at page 21 right now uh, of man, management's discussion and analysis. These are financial statements of the U.S. government, and <laughs> I, I find this entertaining. What what they say is. Uh, the projection in this financial report show that current policy is not sustainable. As discussed below, if current policy is left unchanged, the debt-to-GDP ratio is projected to fall about 4 percentage points by the year 2023, before commencing a steady rise to 297% in 2092 and is projected to rise continually there thereafter. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to go down by four years within the next four percent within the next five, uh, four to five years, and then up to close to three times. Three times the debt will be three times what the economy's GDP is. That's pure insanity. Right now we're sitting at close to one hundred and twenty-two percent of GDP. Now the debt means—I mean, we can look at a debt number; it means nothing. So we have to measure it relative to something so we uh, a normal uh, a metric for this in economic in the economic world is that we measure debt to gdp we measure what's owed to what actually gets produced on a daily basis right now that the u.s is uh, just inched over 120 percent so the u.s uh, owes on a national basis 122 percent of what it can produce as a nation in a year so we can clearly see this path is, is not sustainable. Uh, so that's the, the statement of income portion of the financial statements. Now let's look at the balance sheet. Let's look at a net worth. So uh, for those of you guys that don't understand net worth, what we normally take is uh, we take assets of a business, of a government, whatever the case may be. Uh, we subtract the liabilities. And, of course, the difference is the net worth. 
So we take all the assets in the U.S., uh, all the cash, the cash equivalents, uh, any receivables, uh, loans, student debt, uh, PP&E, property, plant, and equipment. We subtract all the liabilities, all the debt that we owe to everybody else. Uh, we're $21 trillion in the hole. $21 trillion a hole. That's what, the, that's what the U.S. government just reported. And guess what? It gets worse every year. Last year in 2000, well, the year before in 2016, we were $20, tr- $20 trillion, just a little over $20 trillion in the hole. The year before that, it was 19 The year before that, it was 18 You can see that this pattern, it does not get any better. I mean, and I'm not making this stuff up. I urge you, just go ahead and Google uh, financial statements, uh, U.S. government. You'll see the exact same report that I'm looking at. This is exactly what uh, the Board of Trustees, is exactly what the G, uh, the government uh, audit, uh, GOA, that's exact, this is exactly what they report. This is, this is all public information. All you have to do is take a look. And so it's just not that number. It's just not that $21 trillion in the hole. There are other things that actually make this work. Now, what you have to understand is in the world of an accounting, uh, I'm an accountant, I'm a CPA, so there's these different rules that we have to use, especially uh, when publicly displaying you know, financial information, financial reports for businesses, governments, not-for-profits. Uh, uh, we have to include notes, and, and within these notes, we, we have to show certain projections that would affect uh, the financial statements. And that would affect a purely third-party objective view of the financial statements. And so what the U.S. government has is uh, there's a section in the notes that account for uh, long-term losses on Social Security and Medicare. And what this is, is this is the unfunded portion of these liabilities. This is stuff that's not on the balance sheet yet, but will be in the future. And so if we net uh, what is projected to come in and what is projected to go out, the unfunded, por- the unfunded portion of these liabilities is uh, approximately $65 trillion. And that gets worse every single year. So that's in addition to the $21 trillion negative net worth that we've already, uh, we've already compiled up to this point. That's not included in that number. So it's a 65 plus the 21. So who's the debt owed to? I mean, yeah, we have all this debt, but I mean, who's it owed to? Uh, Well, the debt is owed to banks. The debt is owed to the Fed, which is the only unaudited uh, government entity. Well, government entity, uh, cronies, federal, whatever you want to call it. The Fed's never been audited. Nobody knows what exists on the book of the Fed. And the Fed has monetary policy. They control the money supply and they set the interest rates. Uh, We're also owed to various departments. Uh, The biggest debt is owed to the Social Security and Medicare fund, though. So so what you have to understand is that the number one asset in the U.S. is its taxing ability to tax its U.S. citizens. That's, That's the biggest asset. That the United States has. It generates trillions of dollars in tax revenue. Uh, But what they don't account for is the cost of that money. The overall revenue compared to the cost is uh, it's minus uh, $10.5 trillion. And and so when you take that $10.5 trillion 
and now you add it to the uh, minus sixty-five trillion dollars plus the the negative twenty-one or the twenty-one trillion dollars that already exists. If you add all that up, it uh, it's close to negative one hundred trillion dollars. One hundred trillion dollars. Let that number sink in for a second. Oh, I just had to take a sip of my coffee. And let that sink in, $100 trillion. That's bigger than the entire globe's GDP. The entire globe. It adds up to uh, about a quarter of a million dollars per person here in the United States. $250,000 per capita, per person here in the United States. In debt. Counting what's on the books now and the unfunded portion of these certain pension programs and liabilities. So compare that, let's go back and compare that to uh, the analysis we had of ancient Greece back in Athens, 644 BC. The largest economy in the world has a huge surplus. Now, today, the largest economy in the world has a huge deficit. Let that sink in for a second. So not only that, but if we look at the balance sheet in the United States, here's where I think it gets really interesting. We look at the balance sheet in the United States, <laughs> the number one asset, the number, the, the biggest asset on the balance sheet is uh, a loan, loans receivable. And probably 80 to 90 percent of this loans receivable is student debt. Student debt. It's, what, it's more than it's like 1.4 trillion dollars. Now let that sink in for a second. I just heard uh, an interesting fact. Uh, nearly, uh, I guess they just crossed the threshold. Over 20% of student loan uh, debts are in default as of uh, probably just a week ago. Over 20%. That number is huge. Over 20% of $1.4 trillion. That number is huge. So... I was a student once, and I remember going into the university with high hopes of, uh, you know, getting that high-paying job when I came out of college. You know, and I worked hard, and I did the deal, and I studied a lot, and I went into debt quite a bit. Uh, I've been able to pay that off uh, as of a few years ago. Uh, but I remember, you know, wanting to get that education and going uh, into all that debt to do it. I can relate to it, you know. The interesting part about this whole student loan debt deal is that, you know, God, you can attend school in, in many different foreign countries at a fraction of the cost here in the U.S. You know, there's, I mean, there's always a solution. I always talk about seeing both sides of the coin and standing in the middle. But the solution, reali realistically, it, it, it comes down to the individual level, right? Every day we're given the choice. Every day we're given a choice of what we want to do with our time. Every day uh, I wake up, God gives me another day. And it's my choice. It's my choice to choose what I want to do with that time. So we have choices today. And, and that's, realistically, that's the hallmark of these discussions. We have choices today. You know? We can choose to pay a huge sum of money and go to a university in the U.S., or we can choose to go overseas and, and pay uh, you know, a fraction of what it costs here uh, in the U.S. 
So we have choices. The interesting part about these financial statements is that the federal government actually failed its own audit. Yes, the GAO audits the U.S. What the GAO states is that they're not being held accountable. In fact, I just said, it says it right there, page 21, Financial Statements of the United States. The projection of this financial report shows that current policy is not sustainable. I'm not making this up. This is on page 21, United States Financial Statements. The U.S. has failed its own audit. Hmm. That's interesting. So if you don't understand how an audit works, uh, you know, auditors come into businesses, governments, whatever, and, and their job is to give a third-party opinion. Somebody who is, um, you know, not affiliated with this business, on, uh, they're not on either side of a transaction of this business, they want to take a look at this thing from an objective standpoint. You know, is the money coming in actually the money coming in? Is the money going out actually the money going out? You know, what are the assets on the balance sheet? Do these actually exist? Are they even there? Can we see them? Can we touch them? That's the job of an auditor. The U.S. failed its own audit. That's an interesting... That is very interesting in my opinion. So another thing we'll take when we go and we dial into the notes, the financial statement... Uh, there's it, it talks about uh, the liability section, and it talks about uh, the amount of debt that matures in the year 2017. So this is like the cur current portion of long-term liabilities. It was over $7.3 trillion of U.S. debt that matured and had to be repaid in 2017. So if you don't know how that works, the, the way that the U.S. government... Uh, they, they finance these operations is, is mainly through debt. We have many people that, you know, borrow, borrow our money for a, it's a, a U.S. T-bond, T-bill, the safest investment on the globe, investing in the U.S. government, the safest investment. And we, you know, we have, we borrow money from the Fed, we borrow money from foreign countries, China, Japan, uh, we borrow money from different uh, pension programs. Uh, many different banks. We borrow money from a lot of different people. So over $7 trillion of U.S. debt uh, matured, and uh, it was, uh, you know, it matured. It could have had to have been repaid in 2017. Now, a lot of investors will, you know, that's not the way it always works. A lot of investors will, you know, they want to let it ride. You know, let's reinvest. Let's let's parlay it. Let's let's keep this money invested. Let's keep earning the interest on this debt, and let's let's keep parlaying these investments to to continue uh, collecting interest on this debt, right? Let's let it ride. It's a good investment strategy. It really is. But what would happen if, for some reason? Uh, you know, so somebody with, with, with any sense, they take a look at the financial statements of the U.S. and they say, hey, hold on one second, United States of America, you just issued your financial statements for 2017. You're losing, you've lost nearly a trillion dollars every year for the last two to three years. You're $21 trillion in the hole and close to $100 trillion in the hole counting unfunded pension program payments. 
Hold on, United States of America. I don't think that my investment is very safe within your country. I don't want to, quote-unquote, let it ride. No, in fact, I want all my money back right now. Thank you, U.S., uh, thank you for letting, letting uh, you know, thank you for borrowing our money and, and thank you for paying us interest on our money. Uh, but uh, I don't feel safe having you hold on to my money any longer. I want all of it back right now. What if somebody were to actually do this? $7.3 trillion, over $7.3 trillion. That would be enormous. What would the U.S. What would the US do? Uh, you know, we're going to have to default? Are we, we're going to have to, what's called selective default? Are we going to have to say, hey, no, uh, sorry, uh, Social Security uh, recipients, uh, Medicare recipients, yeah, we know we owe you all this money. We promised you to pay you all this money, but uh, we can't pay you. Think the U.S. would do that? Hey, uh, uh, military, uh, yeah, yeah, we know, uh, you know, we're, we're defending uh, American democracy in many different countries, uh, but, you know, we just can't do it. We can't pay you guys anymore. Are, they, are there, is the U.S. going to do that? It's a selective default. A selective default. Hey, uh, we know we're supposed to return all this money to you uh, and pay you some interest, but... Yeah, we just we can't do it right now. So sorry, you're 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 shit out of luck. Is that what would happen? Is that I don't know. I mean, you tell me. So So I mean, the question is it's not uh you know, I'm not a doom and gloom guy and I'm not saying that this whole house of cards is going to fall uh right away. Uh, it's going to come down tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. I don't know. You know, I don't know what the future holds. But when you look at when you look at the fundamentals, when you look at this from a purely objective standpoint, I can tell you it's not good news. Even when they tell you the projection of this financial report show that the current policy is not sustainable. Not sustainable. So so like I said, I'm always about looking at both sides of the coin. Uh, and it's, you know, okay. You know, we look at something objectively. You know, we talk about the perceiving eye, you know, and the observing eye. The difference of the perceiving eye is we see something and then we attach a negative connotation to this. However, the observing eye, the observing eye sees it for what it is and finds a way around it, under it, over it. How can we, uh, how can we solve this problem? You know, how can we get around this obstacle? So seeing this, how can we prepare ourselves? You know, I'm a CPA. We do taxation strategy. So, uh, you know, I work with a lot of investors in, in a metric that we use in the investing world, whatever it is, real estate, gold, stocks, bonds, uh, crypto is, uh, you know, we like return on investment and uh, cash on cash return. Those are uh, a way for us to measure, uh, you know, we put our capital out, we get it back and what kind of return do we get on that? I will tell you, uh, from just from doing this on a daily basis, the quickest uh, way that you can get huge returns on your money is through having a tax a taxation strategy, a tax plan. You find a CPA who knows what he's doing, who can set you up in uh, in a tax plan, have a comprehensive tax plan. I guarantee you that guy will be worth his weight in gold, in gold, tons of gold, and that's exactly what we do. 
we were to sit down and have a conversation today, we're going to talk about, you know, what do you do for a living? What kind of business do you have? How much do you bring in? How many employees do you have? What states are you in? What countries are you in? You know, where are you going? What types of income are you making? Is it earned income or is it passive income or is it, uh, you know, is it investment income? Because all these incomes are taxed in different ways. And then we're going to sit down and we're going to map it out. We can use S-Corps. We can use uh, reasonable salary, tax-free distribution splits. Uh, you know, we can shift income. We can shift income to family members, kids, uh, entities. We can use professional employment services. Uh, we can even use foreign entities and choose to shift our income into a different jurisdiction that's taxed at a lower rate, if that makes sense. We can talk about buying real estate. I love real estate. I love buying cash flow real estate. And we can talk about, uh, you know, investing in cash flow real estate is, uh, I love it because it's a very low risk investment in such a high risk environment. It doesn't matter what the price of that asset does, if it goes up, if it goes down, if it goes sideways, whatever the hell it does, it doesn't matter as long as uh, I have more coming in on a monthly basis than that's going out. That's prosperity. It's producing more than we consume. That's how prosperity is built. Cash flow real estate does exactly this strategy. That's why I love it. Okay, we can set up uh, talking about you know uh, all of that. The new Trump uh, jobs, uh, you know, uh, Jobs Act, the new Trump tax laws. You know, we got tons of new tax laws to take advantage of. Corporate tax rates. Uh, you know, our twenty percent pass through deduction. Uh, you know, different depreciation requirements. Uh, you know, lots of different stuff that we can incorporate all into that. Setting up LLCs for uh, our rental property, taking advantage of the asset protection on that side, right? You know, we can get even more comprehensive. We can talk about healthcare strategies using, you know, HRAs, HSAs, retirement planning, whatever it is. Uh, if you have a 401k at work, uh, setting up a solo K or setting up a, a, an IRA or a Roth and even self-directing all this stuff, and making them all members of the same LLC so we can maximize our contribution limits. These are all viable tax strategies that can save you a shit ton of money, a lot of money. And the quickest way to get the biggest return on investment is by putting money, tax dollars, back into your pocket. I will guarantee that. I will guarantee that. Okay, we can talk about you know, doing business in different states, uh, different countries like I mentioned, even... Holding foreign assets, you know, potentially have to report that on the on the F bar and the eighty nine thirty two forms and holding foreign corporations or partnerships or LLCs. Yeah, we can do all that for you. We could talk about, uh, you know, we can talk about uh, planning for your future with estate planning, setting up wills and trusts, getting around probate, all of that stuff. These should all be part of your comprehensive taxation strategy plan and you should be working with professionals to get this done just get it done just come chat let's build a relationship the first consultations on us we're not going to charge you anything for it just come chat let's build a relationship if we can show you something and provide a tremendous amount of value to you and save you tens of thousand dollars in taxes why would you not why would uh, you know why would we not want to work together Let's work together. So, so 
Yeah, I mean, there's lots of different options we can do as well. Like I said, I'm not a doom and gloom type of guy. I'm more of, I like to see what the problem is and then, and then find a way to hedge against it, to get around it. That's what I believe in. And that's the way that we love working with clients. So, God, wow, it's already been a half hour. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Uh, feel free to contact our office. We'd love to chat with you. We'd love to build a relationship with you. Um, yeah, so thank you all for listening today. And with that, I will sign off. Take care.